You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. And we're rolling. We are rolling. Film. That's yes, no. We are rolling Film. tape. No, not tape either. How is this recorded? Uh, yeah. Whoa. But, Digi. Yeah. It's all just ones and zeros, right? Yeah. Amazing. Oh I don't get it. I don't understand how anything's happening. I don't get now. Why would I think I understand the future? Yeah. Or what's coming up? Yeah. I don't know. Well, on that note, welcome to the Magnificator oh, Podcast. Thanks. I'm so glad we're opening on confusion. Yeah. You know what, though? If, if, like, if we are comfortable confessing our own confusion, I think we make other people feel very comfortable. Oh, living know. within it. Yeah. I think we all feel like horribly confused by everything and right like yeah i think like most of us don't seem to like on the in the bigger picture most of us don't seem to have much of a great idea of what's going on and yeah. on the more specific technical picture like i don't know I, I i think it's a lot more comfortable to just not admit that like totally. I, don't, I don't know how the hell anything happens i don't know how technology works i don't know what the hell's going on in the world yeah so it's like cool to hear people yeah that you like and admire say like, yeah, neither do I. It's like, Oh good. Great. I'm not living badly. Yeah. Right. I'm just like, I'm okay. I just clicked on a link to wait, but why that, do you know that blog? Uh, I know the name of it, but I don't remember the Um, blog itself. I'm not going to pitch it well and I don't read it all that often. So it doesn't really matter, but somebody, people send in like outrageous questions Mm -hmm. with, uh, premises that are like way beyond what would happen in reality. Like the most recent one that I was reading, <laughs> reading as in I clicked into it and then read about a paragraph and was like, whoa, and then just stopped reading it. Uh, <laughs> That's how I do most of my reading <laughs> these know, days. Right? Um, but the premise was like, what? Oh, I'll see here. Um, so what would happen? Okay, so there's, like, a witch or some sort of curse on humanity, and she's, like, really mad, and she's like, okay, everybody, we're completely getting rid of all man-made technology and, like, returning you back to uh, essentially, like, the dawn, the dawn of man slash woman. And uh, you can only lift this curse once you've created, like, a perfect manufactured Remo- uh, model of like an iPhone 6s mm-hmm. and how long would it take like mm-hmm. what's the shortest amount of time it would take humanity to go from being dropped in the woods completely naked without any technology to creating an iPhone 6s yeah. and I've now told this story and I did not get to the end of that article <laughs> <laughs> but I love the idea that I was like oh god I have no idea Yeah. and the article st- started was opening with like well okay everybody would flock to water and there'd be like major, massive deaths, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man!" Yeah, it would be pretty ugly for a while and, a until we eventually worked our way to the iPhone six. Yeah, that's what we're always working towards. Yeah, I think humanity. I well, you're listening to the Magnet Podcast. Oh. I'm speaking today with Allie Fisher. Hey, Thank you, guys. you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I like, I, I love that idea, and I'm probably not going to express this well, but like. A, a, a solitary human being dropped off on, on, on a desert island Great. is basically not much different than like a Cro-Magnon or, or like a Homo erectus. Mm-hmm. It, you're basically at that level. Yeah. But then like put two people together and let them like look in each other's eyes 
and you get like substantially more than one person is capable of. And then mm. put four people together and basically have them look in each other's eyes. Right? Like, oh. and then like eventually you just get like enough people yeah. looking at other people and an iPhone 6 appears. Right. Obviously, it takes more than that, but like I love, I love that idea that we're not quite as isolated as we think we are. Yeah, and 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 that like some something comes out. I guess like synergy is the word, but I don't know if it's exactly synergy. But we're much greater Sweet. than the sum of our parts, and it has to do with like our sociability and our, and and what we were talking about before the podcast, our, our sense of cooperativeness with each other. Mm-hmm. Like you can figure out problems that are that. Like you can come to the answers where the questions are completely inconceivable. Yeah. Like a single person would never think to have this question. Totally. And on like sort of a larger scale or like a more relevant scale, I have no interest in learning how to cook. Mm. And I think it's just great that I live in a society where we've built many systems to allow me to never need that skill or like, I don't know, theoretically, hopefully I just knocked on this table. Um, but like there are other people who are passionate and interested and like have brains that are like, oh man, herbs. Yeah. And I'm not one of them. Yeah. And that's like, I'd like to think I can do everything on my own, but in actuality, I'm just like so dependent and delighted that other people are not exactly like me. They're actually like X-Men kind of comes to mind a little bit. Sweet. Um, you're actually doing a Professor X like oh, pose right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't know. He had okay. a finger to his temple. That's listeners. how I sit when I listen. I put my finger to my temple. Cool. And, yeah, uh, it encourages my brain to think. Great. Uh, it, but it makes me think of X-Men a little bit where like other animals in the animal kingdom will, will evolve to like specialize certain abilities. And then like that's your ability that yeah. fits your, your evolutionary niche. And, and that's what you do. Or mutation. Yeah. And then we have the ability, like, within our species as a whole to evolve, like, different specialized passions. Mm -hmm. And instead of branching that off into different kinds of human beings, there's, like, a common denominator that allows us to work with, Mm. like, all of these different things can cooperate in harmony with each other. So that an individual human being is still mostly animal, but a collective human being is basically capable of all of these amazing superpower things because... You're free to explore your passion. I'm yeah. free to explore my passion, and we're able to like trade on that and free each other up right. to maximize following so, your dreams. You know, right? Or fighting interdimensional or fighting inter- or, whatever. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Or whatever right. shit you want to be making up. You exactly. know, exactly. But it, it is kind of cool. I think I read this in Grant Morrison's um, Super Gods book, which is okay. Shrug. I shrugged. I don't know. It's whatever. It's okay. fine. <laughs> um, that like you can look at human beings. If you look at like the family of human beings as one entity, mm-hmm. uh, his, his, the point of his book Super Gods is that we have a tendency as a species to become whatever we dream ourselves to be. Oh, beautiful! And that we've already accomplished superpowers through Clear, technology. Through, through technology, okay. not if you look at it as like individual human beings. Like an individual cannot fly, oh. and an individual can't be telepathic. Yeah. But human beings as a collection can fly. And human beings as a collection are telepathic. We have the ability to send communications through invisible waves through the air and stuff like that. So what we Mm. collectively fantasize about and dream about as a species, we're able to all become, though individually none of us are able to become that thing. I just find that kind of a neat way to think about it. I like that a lot. And I also like the way that technology does seem to generally, generally follow like what a large majority of people want, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I guess... 
because we've prioritized survival, like medical technology is great. And mm -hmm. because, I don't know, like we want to communicate with each other. Cell phones, when we saw them in Star Trek, we were like, oh, we got to have that. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. Yeah. That's what I have to say on that topic. It is cool. It's neat. It's neat looking at like old science fiction from the 60s and 70s and yeah. seeing like, oh, we have it. We made it. Right. It was totally far-fetched, and then we have it. There are iPads in 2001, and oh, yeah. now we have iPads. Thank God. Our cell phone technology is way better than it was imagined to be in Star Trek originally. Yeah. But then there's... there's so that's another I interesting mean, thing, like, too. we can't, like, break ourselves apart and then reappear in a new place. Not, but that's okay, because, like, until we figure out whether or not we have souls, I'm not sure I even want to try it. There are too many. Like, do you do you simply die where you were beamed off and then, and then a new you is created, a new you is created and then is there style. a continuity between those two things it's too much it's too much what are brains what are memories what's being a human yeah right yeah <laughs> I, I i don't know if you if you have this you must i'm sure you must okay i have it in my brain like there seems mm. to be like a pretty massive amount of energy is spent in my brain simply repeating silently to myself over and over again who I am. Oh, yeah. And, like, what I'm good at and what I do. Like, self-identity is, like, on, like, a and loop endlessly. Yeah. What I'm bad at. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, like, I find myself constantly fantasizing, not even daydreams, but just, like... Truths. Truths. Yeah. And, and, and um... Or, like, recreating memories. Yeah. Recreating the things that we need. Yeah. Yeah. And reminding yourself who, who you are, yeah. which is kind of interesting because, like, it does... You, you have the sense of, like, all right, there's a continuity to myself. Yeah. But in another way, my brain is actively working on that continuity by constantly reminding me who I am. Totally. And we're really selective about... I mean, we're selective... Not necessarily based on our own uh, initiative, but like we remember our greatest achievements and like definitely our greatest embarrassments, mm -hmm. and like those become the you know the things that fill in the blank when we ask ourselves who we are. Yeah. Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm now flooded with like my biggest embarrassments, it's and horrible. I hope I'm not like creating another one or like about to create another no, one. No, I think you'll be okay. Uh, yeah. Thank you. It, yeah. It, for anyone listening to this who's never like done this podcast or any other podcast, oh, great. it's horrifying to do a podcast. <laughs> Confirmed. It, it's really scary. It's horrible to hear your own voice. Yeah. It's horrible to know that it, everything you're saying is being recorded. So stuff like you can't just like selectively edit your conversation while you're talking. You know that what you're saying. I know. Like somehow because it's etched in digital stone now, it's like, right. oh, this is what I really think. Whereas like most of the time, when right. I'm talking, it's not what I really think. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to like circle around and get close to what I really think. Um, one thing that I think is really, excuse me, one thing that I think, I just hit the table again. One thing that I think is cool about improv, ver <laughs> do you mind if I talk about Please. improv for a minute? Um, versus other art forms and like, I'm a big reader, I'm a big fan of books. Um, one thing that's great about improv is it's, uh, there's so much of it that's dialogue mm -hmm. like granted there's tons of body language stage picture um just many many more elements of it but i feel like the essential structure like the playground role playing on tends to rely on dialogue often not always mm -hmm. um and when people say things in front of another person we're like held accountable and responsible to those things mm -hmm. so when we express wishes within our own minds we can just be like oh never mind i don't care about that anymore mm -hmm. but if i like express intentions to someone else were like witnessed and therefore 
we hold ourselves more accountable to it mm. and we like become the person that we spoke out loud. That's interesting. No. And in improv, you have the ability to do that and then erase it when you're done. Right. Which and is you can one just of, leave it. Which is one reason why I think, in a weird way, you can end up being a way more confident person in improv mm. than off an improv stage. Yeah. Right? Like, because in a way, like, in improv, you're able to express a thought or express a desire and, and carry it through to its own logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. And then when it's done... It's just like, okay, that's yeah. it. Uh, uh, I'm back to square one again, and there are no real repercussions from it. It, it is like sure. like weaving a dream together. Oh. And so you're able to... to Lewis, uh, what an image. I don't think I came up with it, but oh, thanks. Okay, great. I, cool. I'm, yeah, it's that's Google somewhere. It. Google it. Weaving a dream. <laughs> Google yeah. it. And send the results to our Twitter. Do we have a Twitter account? Yes. We do. We oh. did. We did. Oh, really? Oh, no. How do people contact send us it to if the they past. want to send it to the past? So we can. Huh. Well, look it up and then and yeah. then enjoy the fruits too. of your yeah, please. Uh, and if anyone has any advice on how we can enhance our social media presence, please. Uh, uh, I don't know. Send me an email through. Mag- I don't know. Perfect. Don't do that. I hate that. I don't want that. So much pressure. Totally. Back uh, to weaving dreams. Weaving together. dreams. Oh yeah. So like the the fact that it's all protected by your pretend lets you like exercise yeah. that kind of stuff in a way that in real life you're going to be way more inhibited about. In yeah. real life, you're going to be way, like, you know, there's a thing like on people's deathbed, like the number one regret is like, I regret that I cared so much about what other people think. Yeah. Which I'm sure makes a lot of sense when you're on your deathbed. And like once every two months that goes around the internet is like mm-hmm. a meme to inspire everybody. Totally. But I think Graduation it's, speeches. Totally. Yeah. But I think it's bullshit because oh, when sure. you're on your deathbed, okay. when you're on your deathbed, then it's like, yeah, why didn't I just speak my mind? Why, mm-hmm. why didn't I say why how I, I feel? Yeah. But you don't live in a deathbed environment for most of your life. You live among hopefully. other people. Hopefully. Yeah. You, you live among other people. And where what other people think about you, for better or for worse, d- does factor in quite a bit to the decisions that you make. If you care, yeah. If you care. But the, like, that's the point is, is like, for the most part, you, you do kind of care. Yeah. There are certain things I mean, that you're willing to fight about. you care about, yes. about people. And, exactly. You know, your own well-being. And exactly. Stuff. And, yeah. and so it, it's part of what gives us like higher mental functioning is that we can Mm -hmm. kind of suppress our own thoughts and desires for the sake of like being better members of a harmonious community or respecting other people's rights and all that. Yeah. And therefore like going on to make the iPhone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But then in improv, you get to say all that shit and mean it and own it and let it out because it's made up. And also like those characters, the memories that make up them, if you like are, you know, present in the moment enough to think this person probably like has this. These things are like this character's anxieties mm-hmm. are different than yours, and yeah. they just don't feel like as big of a deal. That's true. Because like your brain hasn't spent the last you know however many years focusing on those being the worst things, or like they're also their great things are different things, and that's really exciting too. Do you ever have the daydream where you're able to quantum leap into somebody else's body and then do the things that you yourself would never have the courage to do in your own body? Yeah. Or just like that you could do it on your own. Yeah. You're right, but without repercussions of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. 
That'd be cool. Which I'd I, take that genie wish. I, well, it's kind of like the idea behind reincarnation. Freaky Friday, I, I oh, guess, right? Is, is that like what we've already done that, right? Like we've leapt, yeah. in, we've leapt into like a temporary body hmm. to like do all those things. But then at some Whoa. point you just kind of forget that. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. No, totally. That like we've made that wish and then we become so attached to these bodies that right. we can't let go right. of the things that are just done within this lifetime. Right. But I did go to a Buddhist meditation center How was recently. That? It was really nice. It was like a half hour after work meditation. It was the first time I'd done it. Yeah. Uh, there were four people in a room and it was like quiet and nice. It's hard to not think. It's, yeah, it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted to talk to you about um, uh, reading and writing, actually. And oh, good. I want to pick your brain about storytelling in particular. Cool. You have the coolest job of anybody I know. Oh, thanks. Can you talk about what you do for a living? Sh- yes, I can. Uh, I'm an editor at a... Uh, I'm, at a I'm at a publishing house, and we specialize in science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And my division is the children's and young adult division, mm-hmm. so I work on books for middle grade slash middle schoolers and teens. Yeah. So like eight through 18 is sort of my sweet spot. Okay. I imagine that that's like a passion job for you. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What do you look for in, in books? Like how do you, how do you, how do you help develop writers? How do you help develop stories? What's important to you? So I'm pretty newly minted. So I'm like at the beginning of this, um, long and wonderful journey, assuming that I live for a while, which I'm planning on it. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. I've got my, um, all the, I'm on my cards on the table. Nope. Who knows? I don't know what I'm going no, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. You've said it. Own it. Done. My cards are on the table. Beautiful. That I'm planning to live for a Beautiful. long time. Beautiful. Great. Okay, we're all going to just go with that and move on. <laughs> um, so what do I like? Uh, I think this is so interesting because there's so many things that I want to say. I love anything genre, um, like, and I have a lot of feelings about genre stuff. Okay, cool. I'm just going to get a little bit more intimate for yeah. this moment. Yeah, get closer to the mic. Great. Okay, good. Um, what was I going to say? Okay, so I love science fiction, fantasy. I love horror. Um, I like speculative elements. They're great, like, what-if questions or, like, retellings of um, stories that we think we know and putting the exceptional and the fantastical within those and seeing what, like, at the end of the day, what are the essential human truths that remain and mm-hmm. that we still grapple with when in the face of something completely strange and um, unexpected or unusual. In terms of what I'm looking for, it's, uh, it's like, what makes me think and also what's told in a voice that is believable and authentic mm-hmm. and feels true to, like, to a character telling that story. Mm-hmm. Um, so a strong narrative voice, I think, is really important. And then pair that with a story that's interesting. And that can mean so many things. Yeah. Anything that makes you think. You had said before, like, one of the defining things in a person's life is, like, your embarrassments that sear, <laughs> sear their mark on your brain. Totally. But, like, there's also, like, the books that you read that sear that same mark, too, that counter the imbalance, the embarrassment. Totally. So, like... Let's talk about a couple of books that left that mark for you. Oh. What, what are what are the ones that kind of gave you a sense of like? Oh my gosh! What are the ones that like turn you in the right direction? 
That's a really great question. Thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. Um, let's see. Oh, gosh. I have so many answers, and I want to... Okay, so there was a great book, and this is... Uh, this is very near. This is like this feels genuinely kind of intimate. Mm. Uh, you don't have to share if you don't want to. Thank you. No, I want to because okay. people respond to honesty. That is true. And I want to be honest, especially if I don't have to make eye contact with anyone that's nice. listening cool. to this conversation. Great. Other than you guys. Um, so there, there's like a really incredible political fantasy book called Kushiel's Dart by Jacqueline Carey. And it's, um, it's a little bit sexy. Uh, and it's just this really fantastic story of um, a woman, and it goes essentially throughout her entire life, and she's both uh, like a courtesan and uh, like an assassin, and she's like uh, selected by the gods for great uh, like world-changing destinies. And I... I don't even know where to start with what affected me about that other than like just a sense of agency mm-hmm. that you can there are huge expectations or like not at that level, not like, you know, God given expectations in my life as far as I know. Uh but you can defy them or you can like make your own story, which was fantastic. How old were you when you read this? High school. Yeah. So that was probably, like, sophomore year of high school I read that. And it was also, like, I think the first major... It's, like, a sort of a brick, and it's, like, a huge political story that featured, like, a strong female protagonist. Mm. And it was really nice to see that. Um, Up until then, I was, like, watching Dark Angel and getting my fix that way, and that's not quite the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the other side of that, like, when I read Time Machine, my mind was completely blown. H.G. Wells? Yeah. Yeah. And that's just incredible. And that's, like, really the only thing that hit me on that was, like, the technological what-if of, like, going into the future, starting to build a life around an entirely different type of society and then getting ripped back into, you know, your previous life. And I think that's that's an exceptional story, but it's also something people go through in wartime and people go through in, like, many different ways mm-hmm. for people who do the Peace Corps. I think that's like part of the human experience, but it's told in this really fantastical way, and you can still get a lot of the same um, like emotional responses and the same psychological responses. Um, but then you also get these great like, oh, what is humanity going to be like? You know, a hundred thousand years from now. Yeah, the date. That's what I remember the most yeah. when I read that. I read that in elementary school, and I remember he, he travels to like eight hundred and four thousand. Huge, yeah, like a ridiculous number, and that was the thing that most impressed me more than like the existence <laughs> of Morlocks and 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 yeah. it was like it's a deep future. Oh yeah, that's such a big number. Yeah, it's and, true, and, and it's so outside of your thought bubble. Like mm-hmm. you live your life in your particular thought bubble, yeah, right? and you don't go to like the outside perimeters of that thought bubble, and then yeah. you confuse that thought bubble with what reality is. Yeah, and it's really awesome when you find a story that is able to like suddenly cast you so far outside of that thought bubble. Totally. It makes you have to kind of expand it a little bit. And, and Absolutely. And then also stories that I think are really good. <clears throat> I, mean, I, think, I think some people have this experience with the War of the Worlds, although I didn't love it nearly as much as I loved Time Machine. Yeah. Uh, there was a book called This Book is Full of Spiders a couple of years ago uh, by a guy called David Wong. I think he's a crack.com uh, writer. Mm-hmm. And he... He successfully um, 
basically just told the narrative of like a mass sort of uh, monster outbreak in a way that was so intimate and like minute by minute I really believed it Mm. and so getting to experience that part of me was like this is like helping me understand what my options are and how not to like fuck up in the uh, in the face of some like great danger Mm -hmm. which I think is part of what this is that was like a it's like a humor slash horror and that book is just really incredible I'd recommend that 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 just like takes you into like following along with something that's so exceptionally outside of your own experience. Yeah. And it's sort of like that quantum leap, leap question. Like books are like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, totally. It, it for, for, yeah, I mean, I'm, every now and again, I'll be reading something and, and the thought will occur to me just like the fact of reading itself is such a weird fucking thing. Yeah. The ability to do it and, and why we're doing it and, and what we're getting out of it. It's so weird. It's really weird to, to have, uh, I'm reading a book on evolution right now. So hmm. like, that's why I'm talking so much about evolution. Oh, in this yeah. conversation. Okay, it's just, it's like in the front of my brain, but to, ha- to have evolved sense. that is so, is so interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I apologize. I'm sorry. I, like whatever <laughs> the fuck okay. I'm talking about is based on whatever I'm reading that week. So that, oh, great. that's just how it I goes. got the evolution. That's it. I can do that. Yeah. Cool. Um, but it, it totally is a thing of like your mini quantum leaping into, into other people's skin skin. Yeah. And then leaping back into your own skin, having like taken some small part of that. Yeah. Including like the highs and the traumas and the like emotional catharsis and, yeah. and any like, coping skills or like warnings against how to deal with something or finding out that like you know so many stories push you through to worst case scenarios Mm -hmm. it's like making things worse on characters is always like the way to go Mm -hmm. because people want to know like if I fuck up really bad what's on the other side of that Mm -hmm. and like do you survive and the answer is like yes unless you know unless it was a death-defying stunt that was the event that we're talking about but once you get to the other side of worst case scenario like what then like that's people want to know that and you want to come away and sort of like have that be part of your yourself your identity to you and that's where like fiction and improv both have that great ability improv yeah yeah, yeah. well like well because like improv helps you to kind of look at unthinkable behaviors or look Mm -hmm. at unthinkable thoughts and i don't just mean like gross or offensive but i mean stuff that's like so absurd or stupid or egomaniacal that like your brain rightly screens it out of like regular conscious thought or tucks it away into like the back closet that you don't share with anybody. Yeah. And then you have the ability in a very safe environment to just see what happens when we pursue it to its conclusion. Absolutely. And build up a language around it. Totally. Because then you're, or seeing like what language not to use around it based on like how people respond or how you respond. Yeah. Sometimes you don't know how you feel about something until you you know, watch it or yeah, read about it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, interesting. Um, or I don't know, maybe not. Oh, I, mean, I apologize. I so. So much. No, yeah. It's probably not. Well, <laughs> I, I was just thinking, cause we've been talking about like cooperativeness so far Yeah. and, and that idea of like, you know, cooperation has been kind of bred into us over time. It, it, it probably just dating back to like the sharing of foods and the sharing of high protein. Theoretically foods. bred in, unless you think that people are just inherently good. Well, yeah, I, th- I do think that people are inherently good, but mm-hmm. that okay, that's a, that's a real big yeah. <laughs> let's but not I, go down that. Road. I, let's say self-selecting or whatever. I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> you don't have to caveat. Just okay. go for it. So, like cooperativeness probably goes Great. back down to to how important it is that we share food 
Mm. So that in fallow times, if, if like the hunt isn't good for one family, we know that other surrounding families will share their food and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so in order to, to grow cooperativeness, we have to have a certain amount of empathy and a certain amount of, uh, of understanding of what other people feel. Mm -hmm. And so literature and fantasy and, and improv yeah. kind of have their roots in, in this equipment that we grew to allow us to feel what other people are feeling. I think most arts do, right? But, yeah, yeah, probably. And, but then as maybe as like an unintended side consequence, you go into that and because you're able to leap into other people's minds and then leap back into your own, you're able to like refashion the way you want to be living your Bless life. You. Bless you. That was Grant Goldberg folks. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Give what it was up. it? Two podcasts in a row. Yeah. Oh. Is this still the same sickness for you? Allergies? Oh man. It's rough. It's nice in yeah. New York right now. It's, yeah. But it's, Grant suffering. We're recording this on like the second or third actual day of summer right now, so it's like ninety degrees outside. Yeah, yeah. The and pollen we're not tired count is high. No, not yet. Uh -uh. Not yet. Give it a month though. Ugh, yeah. we'll be back and we'll be ranting about it. Exactly. So, so, so you have this ability to leap into other people's minds and then leap back into your own life and mm -hmm. and kind of measure your own experiences by contrast. Yeah. And then that begins warping the way you're living your life. And that begins, yeah. you start like dreaming your own values. Like e mm -hmm. even the idea of like destiny, right? Yeah. Are we talking about weaving dreams together again? Yes, we are. Great. <laughs> e even the idea of like of destiny may mm -hmm. not be like a foregone conclusion from like daily life seems to be extremely free of destiny. Yeah. It's very arbitrary and, and there's a lot of like downtime and there's a lot of feeling of like pointlessness to things. Oh. But then like so many of our stories are about <laughs> being chosen or about purpose and about destiny. And yeah. it does like, especially when you're like an adolescent and you're reading that stuff yeah. and it's helping to forge your sense of, of self, mm -hmm. that feeling of like, Oh, I'm destined somehow yeah. gives you the ability to, to realize your passions and to pursue those passions and to develop into the kind of person to develop beyond just like your breeding or your coding or your imprints into like, I'm going to, I want to pursue this interesting track. Yeah. Right. Like, and I get to become a different person than the person I was born to be. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that's, that's interesting. I think a lot about, um, in terms of storytelling and like the hero's journey and like that external validation that you're chosen, mm -hmm. you know, that you're the chosen one or that you're destined to whatever, I actually think that that's maybe something that literature has like steered us in sort of a weird direction, and like maybe uh, I think a lot of literature now, uh, and I think in sort of a good way, steps away from that because I feel like I had to learn that nobody, you know, like no wise wizard was gonna, you know, uh, like walk into my small suburb town mm -hmm. and then whisk me away on my adventure to Hogwarts that like you do have to make your own like it's a DIY destiny kind of world mm -hmm. and I I don't know I think destiny is sort of a weird one I feel like one thing that we learn really well about or like something that I've taken from the concept of destiny in literature it's really a just an understanding of like what do you do with expectations right. like what do you do with external the, what the rest of the world expects you to do mm -hmm. And, like, what do you do if you agree with that, think it's for the better good, you don't personally like it? What do you do if it's something that you disagree with? Or what do you do if... I don't know. Well, it, that's where stories can help give you courage to trust yourself yeah. when the world disagrees with you. Mm -hmm. Push to an extreme, 
Right. You can make the argument that like fanatics of all flavors are, mm-hmm. are, are enacting these daydreams of destiny. Yeah. Because it's true that when you feel that like destiny is on your side and even destiny, destiny is like a comical word in this day and age because I don't think yeah, that we believe it in it at all. I smiled when you said it and I hear it all the time, but yeah. it's still fun. It's like funny. It is. It's no, it no longer fits the sense of like the purpose of life or the purpose of the universe. There was probably mm-hmm. a, a point in time where it did fit. When, yeah. But it, 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 I don't think we can really believe in it anymore. But and I think that goes along with believing that everybody has agency. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like well, trusting that other people have agency as well. Can, can you talk about that? Um, no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's the more that we have empathy for other people and the more that we understand, like, class systems and... Right. Uh, I don't know, like, all of the shitty systems of history that have oppressed people, uh, the more that we understand that people have the more that we have empathy for people and the more that we understand that people like every person has agency the harder it is to think that destiny is a real thing right you know that like oh all you know tons of people throughout history were just destined to have a really shitty hard life right i don't i don't know it seems like an easy excuse to justify shitful horrible behavior yeah exactly yeah but i don't know maybe i'm being too hard on destiny no, it, it uh, well, because there is like a, okay, so, so I think that there is like a childhood sense where you want to feel special and important. Mm. And that feeling of being special helps to encourage you to power on or, or, or feel like you have the ability to not just be engulfed mm. by mm-hmm. everybody around you or, or to not have to take on other people's ideas. But, but like, I have a path. Yeah. And, and when you're young, it really does feel this way of like, I have a path and I'm meant to be on this path that, you yeah. know, hopefully you, you grow to a point when you're not quite so narcissistic where you become more of an adult and you realize that like, well, everybody is also a human being too. Right. Every single individual you meet is a, is a universe unto themselves and you're not special. Right. And then the depression sets in. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but hopefully that sense of like but like I make my own purpose and, mm-hmm. and you've gleaned enough of a sense of courage from having pursued your purpose. And build skills. And build skills and, and, and expectations and for exactly. yourself. Exactly. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Hopefully that pulls you out of the gravity well of depression that yeah. eventually leads you to feel like my life has no value. Then maybe I'm just responding to like that sort of technical storytelling element of having someone else validate that. Well, no, but that's a, I mean? that's a real serious thing though, because yeah. there always is like a higher power that validates it and makes of, you like, special above and beyond. Totally. Like, that was already within that system that reaches back and says like you, yes, you. Yes. And there is something kind of creepily authoritarian and status quo about that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and, and you see it, like, it, I'll come back to fanaticism of, like, fanatics right. hold that idea entirely. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's an element of never having outgrown this, like, early adolescent thing that, like, all of your insecurities and self-doubts will be eradicated because you're following the one true cause. And, and mm-hmm. there's this promise at the end of the rainbow for you. Yeah. It, it's a behavior that adults should not have. I agree with that. Because you should be respectful enough to understand, you know... Uh, uh, other people are other people. Yeah. And, and, and like, I have a problem with like the hero's journey. And that your path isn't, you know, gilded in a way that other people's aren't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, it's this, it's this, um, kind of contradiction that like the only way you're able to accomplish anything is to feel a a special sense of purpose. Hmm. And you have to have 
an equal compensating humility that you're yeah. not a special person at yeah, all. Yeah, to succeed at it, you also have to understand how many people tried it before you and like yeah. where they failed and what and how brilliant they were. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Wolf, how do people do stuff? I, I know, and the more you think about how people do anything, the the more it feels like oh, I can't do anything with my life. It really and is. And then it like, also, and then you come around to like, oh, everybody's doing this stuff. Like, yeah. I can do it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's but it's definitely a cycle for me of like going between my understanding of what other people are going through. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, and and yeah, we're working towards. If you if you think about it, it's a really fucking crazy thing. I'm sorry to bring it back to like evolution again, but like <laughs> it's okay. You warned me. Oh wait, I had something I wanted to say a while yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it it's actually not really related to this topic, but it's something that I really love and care about. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool. You were talking about the fact that we um, we collaborate based on this initial impulse that we had to share food. Um, I love that people still eat together. Mm-hmm. That there's like no real need to do that other than this sense of like let's all admit that we're vulnerable and have these bodies mm-hmm. that need energy and like we can delight in this like really primitive thing together yeah. in like total in public like let's create places where we all go out and do that together i think that's kind of insane it, it, well you know when you when you have to like attend a funeral mm. too right like the moment where it begins to feel like a little bit healing is is when you're eating afterwards yeah yeah, it's interesting that food is part of so many like uh, major milestones, yeah. or just and yeah, it's the way to connect to other human beings. Yeah. It's like actually inputting the same type of energy. Yeah, <laughs> food and company. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I'm I'm really big on this idea recently of like we crave company, and and without company, like we'll take artificial company, you know, in, in, in like podcasts for example. Yeah. Um, you're only listening to this right now because you're afraid to be, you know, alone with your own thoughts. Oh, that's not true at all. No, it's not true. It's probably we're just kidding. Very uh, true. Just because you're not in the room, you should know that we're smiling. We are and smiling. We actually really like you. Yeah, we, no, we definitely <laughs> do. But there probably is a hint of truth to that too. Of like, you know, why do you feel compelled to listen to to this? Why do you feel compelled to be entertained? Oh, but is it just entertainment? No. Aren't we giving people language for things that we think about, and then they're going to come back to us with the things that they think about and yes. give us language for those things? That is we absolutely. Didn't spend time on it. It's absolutely true. Yeah. We as a species are characterized by a unique hall of mirrors quality, where we're wow. constantly looking at our own reflection yeah. in other people's thoughts and ideas, and constantly like yeah. zeroing in closer on and highlighting the things that matter to us. Totally. And then reading other people's books where they highlighted stuff and being like, what "Oh, the fuck? yes," and what totally are you connecting to there. Yeah. It, well, yeah. it, that's kind of interesting too. There's like parallel evolution that's going on, that okay. it, probably on multiple levels. There's certainly cultural evolution that's going on that okay. parallels biological evolution. But then there's also something else. There's like personal evolution mm. that parallels that too, and it all just lives in this kind of like mental landscape. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, go on. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate this thought. You're saying the dimension of the mind yes. of humanity? Yes. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Has, has somehow spontaneously grown a, a secondary evolutionary playground in mm. which we're able to self-evolve concepts of how we want to live culturally and concepts of how we want to identify ourselves individually, which is mm. a pretty nifty thing. That's nifty indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I don't know that I have much to say about it. Back to company, though. Great. <laughs> I, I recently I've been feeling like 
as great as improv is and as great as comedy is, mm-hmm. for me, and this is right now, I might change my tune in two weeks. But we for won't me, hold you to it. Please don't, even though this is being encoded forever in it's, ones and zeros. This and is immortal and you is, are not. Yeah. But. Is this in the cloud? It is, right? No, oh, but it will be. Yeah. Yeah. We're not live streaming, are we? No, we're not I live can, streaming. I could not handle live streaming. No, me neither. Radio DJs of radios? I can't imagine. I'll tell People you. People could call in and just talk to them about what they were just saying into a microphone. I hate that. Yeah, I, I would be so terrified by the confrontation. But I, I, I do kind of like the idea of like five hours in the middle of the night in a mm. room to just like talk into space. It sounds kind of neat, actually. I bet it's better on the listening side that yeah. you're like, this part, this is part of actual reality right now as opposed to like this is you know like an artifact that i've dug up from oh sure the internet yeah yeah now like experiencing yes yeah right that live quality is, is pretty interesting i'm sorry go back to company though that's what you're talking oh about. yeah for me I, I like i was like why do we keep on coming back to these theaters and, and like obviously it's like well we're getting better and it's fun and 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 it's mm. interesting and we can create, but it's also just like the thing of like, we crave company. Mm-hmm. It, we, we don't even crave like strong intimacy so much as the reassurance of there being other bodies in an environment where the subtext is we're safe and we're okay right now. Totally. And having that company in a space where like we've, I like paid money and blocked out this time specifically to think about like the state of existence and whether that is like, how funny it is that somebody can't sit on a chair mm-hmm. well, or like if it's two people getting in a fight and you're like recognizing that from your coworkers, it's giving you time to think about all the things that are not on your to-do list, mm-hmm. but maybe something that should be on your to-do list is just like engaging with reality. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is like watching other people reenact it. That's interesting. Yeah. You're, yeah, I, I really like that idea of like needing to unhook from your to-do list periodically. Totally. Yeah, part of that's, I mean, movies too. Yeah. I like go to see movies just to be like, I need to like lash myself to this greater thing that's not me. Yeah. Well, okay. So going back to like storytelling and drama. Mm-hmm. Life daily life is relatively free of drama for the most part mm-hmm. except for if a few lucky. if you're lucky yeah and then every now and again drama finds you or Whoa. there's some kind of horrifying instance but like it's the, just out there it's out there yeah but the actual highs and lows of your life while you look back at the end of the day and reflect on the highs and lows and they become the defining things yeah the actual substance of life is not really defined by those highs and lows mm-hmm. it, it's a pretty boring medium ground hour by hour yeah hour by hour and then we go out of our way. <coughs> yeah, cough away. Have fun. <coughs> That's great. Then Good we time. go out of our way to to seek out those highs and lows in an artificial environment. Yeah. And I think part of it is... We put them on our calendar weeks in advance. We do. We decide what we're going to do yeah. a month ahead of time. Yes. And then we show up and we do it. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird. It's yeah. really weird. Yeah. And, and once you once you solve certain basic survival issues, it becomes one of the main things that you crave is like seeking out entertainment or, mm-hmm. or seeking out connection to like, okay, let's see dramatic instances now. Yeah. Or in the world of comedy, let's see instances that would be dramatic if they weren't so idiotic or so hilarious. Yeah. Let's see things go badly. Like comedy's all about like let's see things go Worst badly. Worst case scenario, yeah. for sure, yeah. And and I, I think part of that is like you're able to extract more of a sense of meaning or purpose of the bigger story when you distill life hmm. to the dramatic incidents. Sure. And I think part of it is your to-do list, when you step out of your to-do list for a little bit and you realize, like, you know what? 
I'm so preoccupied and make myself so insane about all these things that I have to do. But if mm. I like, if my phone died and the internet died and I had a week where I, 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 I couldn't deal with all this stuff, yeah. the world wouldn't stop turning. It would be like, okay. Yeah. But our inner life ends up dramatizing our to-do list. Mm. Right? Like sure. there, there's an importance. I'm going to get fired yeah. if I don't. I'm going to miss this, this train, you fucking, thing. you son of a bitch. Get out of my way. You're the villain in this or, story. Totally. Or yeah. you get on the train, and then somebody snags a seat before you do, and you're like, you motherfucking piece of shit. And you brought a bike fight. onto a train. Oh. What the fuck is wrong? How many forms of transportation do you need? Totally. Yeah. And it's all just like under the surface in your brain, and it's all making a mountain out of a molehill, and it's mm. all dramatizing shit that's inherently not dramatic. <laughs> Yeah, And so much of it is like our to-do list becomes this thing that makes us the protagonist of this really kind of boring story, yeah. but it creates drama in our mental life constantly. Mm-hmm. And there's something about taking a break from that, relieving the pressure that's like building up inside your own body yeah. to take all that drama and then externalize it in a story where the stakes actually are as high yeah. as your idiotic, stupid stakes feel. Mm-hmm. To you, it, yeah. you know what I mean. That that somehow like puts you back in like a correct balance, or, or like, or maybe it's like another kind of digestion, right? Yeah. Like if if we're creating, I'm sorry, if we're creating <laughs> like a like a mental landscape that's running parallel with biological evolution, mm-hmm. maybe there's a form of like mental digestion, hmm. and it's important that we have to like digest all of these thoughts and extract the nutrients and shit out the stuff that isn't healthy for us. Or else we mentally go berserk. I don't know. I don't when you're about picturing that. these parallels, are you picturing like, like a straight line and a dotted line for personal evolution? You know what I mean? I get. I'm like over time. I'm picturing it. No, I don't think so. I think like I'm a pic- dotted line being individual people in their own like small evolutionary like growth upward. You know what I mean? Like you sort of start with a generation left off behind you, that kind of thing, or like, oh. or like, do you mean over the course of? I'm trying to figure out if you mean over the course of like, you know, the last 40,000 years or if you mean over the course of I, I think a I'm, person's lifetime. I think I mean like both, though specifically <laughs> right now, I think I probably mean more like individual, yeah. more, more over the course of your lifetime. Okay. I also don't, Suggestion. I don't think evolution is necessarily means improvement. Oh. I think it just means change. Adaptation. Okay. Idea, like, you don't think adaptation is improvement? It, well, I think we probably created that idea. I think we noticed that yeah, certain certain cultural. adaptations are added are advantageous. Yeah, and I think that we're reasonable enough to notice that certain certain advantageous things are for the better. Like we can project into a future and we can imagine things being better. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that we dreamed up the idea of improvement, and then we start the to, idea of being better. Yes, it's, it's a, oh. Okay. But yeah. that also comes from, like, we had to evolve to a point where we can conceive of that idea first. And I think that's an improvement. Well, definitely. Or it's certainly Qualitatively some, better. I, I think so, too. Yeah. Um, Having brain space for that. Whether whether the universe has a purpose to it or not, I don't know how we got this. I don't know. Deep into it. Grant looks so bored by this conversation. <laughs> so bored. Hey, yeah. Are you bored? No. Oh, good. Okay, Grant's not bored. Are you interested? Oh, good stuff. Oh, God, yes. Okay. Ah, the, we do what we want. The, the pod universe wants to know what you're... Th- I think the podverse. I, the podverse. I think that you your reaction to this podcast grant stands in for like... Mm. You know, like the way like a laugh track cues people to like, okay, this is funny. Yeah. Now, if they can just imagine what your face is doing while we're talking, I think it gives it makes them feel more comfortable. Every once in a while, for the rest of this podcast, we just go, wow, yeah. Oh, that would make me feel good. I feel so <laughs> good about that. Yeah. 
Okay. Good. Cool. Excellent. Actually, I do want to talk about that for a second. Oh, okay. Oh, whether or not the universe is equipped with a sense of purpose. Okay. Oh, yeah. I find myself uh, uh, oscillating between that one. Mm. Whether or not it, it, it has a sense of purpose to it or it's just kind of, it is just happening spontaneously. Yeah. It certainly seems to have grown us. Mm. To a state where we're capable of conceiving of a sense of purpose. So whether it was there originally or not, purpose appeared. Yeah. End of statement. Cool. What the hell oh, was I saying man. about that? Assuming it's a universe and not a multiverse. Uh, yes. Oh, we could get even bigger. We could. This is the fun of fantasy and science fiction, Yay, incidentally. Totally. Um, I lost my train of thought, so let's back up. Okay, great. All right. One thing I like about science fiction and fantasy is that for the most part, um, they're like, well, I'm, I'm going to separate them out. Well, we've been talking about science fiction, mm-hmm. I feel like, more. Um, and that's like ideas in furniture as opposed to like a mystery genre, which is like a structural genre or a horror genre, which I think of as like a body genre. Mm. Um, science fiction has this great way of like, you can put big ideas in science fiction furniture over like, a lot of different types of stories or structural types of stories and including I feel like the um, adding questions of what if into almost any kind of story is like a plus Mm -hmm. is like a pro Mm -hmm. I think most stories can like uh, benefit from the idea of having more questions yeah because that's what we're doing all the time it's just like trying to find answers to basic stuff and like big stuff Mm -hmm. and we want to we want to experience and read and you know, think about those things to equip ourselves. Yeah. Learning feels good. It does. It feels great. You, you, you just, you feel, you feel good. Yeah. Um, because you're better, you're improving yourself. Maybe. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You're big on this. You're a very optimistic person. Yeah. Yeah. Have you always been that way? Um, I don't know, but I think so. I feel like I've always, I've, I feel like these are sort of core beliefs. Yeah. yeah. Do you, like. But I have, I mean, I've got anxiety. Like, I definitely yeah. understand the concerns of the multiverse. Yeah. I, well, I don't trust anybody who claims to not have anxiety. Uh-uh. I, it doesn't mean anything to no me. Way. And it promotes my anxiety to think somebody might not. I, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like a cold, dead robot. I'm looking in your eyes, and oh, yeah. you have no anxiety, and you have no empathy for mine. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. If we can't like bond over our anxieties, and 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 that I think comes back to that sense of company too. Yeah. If we can't find company in being able to like share an anxiety. Yeah. That, that's a big part of it too. Is like share that burden. Yeah. You're able to tolerate it as a group. Or understand it. Yeah. Give each other ways to like cope. Or Coping at least, or at language. least like yes. Mm-hmm. Or if we can't crack it. We can at least stay up all night together, not afraid that it's going to yeah. devour us. And sleepovers, that, like horror, and totally, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Horror as a body, as a body mm-hmm. uh, medium, I find and that, romance and romance. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. yeah. I never thought about that, but that's true. Yeah. As opposed to furniture, which is like historicals, right. wartime. I think a fantasy is sort of a furniture genre although the hero's journey is like often a structure that's used for i'm sorry no 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 please please develop that so so furniture genre are more of a practically with a sense of with a sense of place Mm -hmm. and like sort of like the objects what you're holding what you're wearing Mm -hmm. sort of like the skin of Mm -hmm. the world Mm -hmm. is often 
uh, sort of more important in those genres. Whereas like a, like a mystery, it's the structure, mm-hmm. and it can be like it's rescanned any way you want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And romance and horror, both physical body. genres, body genres. That's how I think of them. That's, That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like the demographic, like who, what age range is it for would be like sort of a top level thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then voice over all of that. Originality of voice, uniqueness. At the very top, because comedy is like, can be in every moment of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of personally think of comedy as the highest form. I know. I do too. It's like the the most external Russian nesting doll. Yes. Yeah. It it encompasses everything. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I it also, makes it better. It does. It does. It makes it palatable. And when people are laughing, just like when they're eating, their mouths are open and they're vulnerable. Yes. And they're sharing the same air. Yes. Yeah. And it also minimizes anxieties. Mm. Comedy, like anything else, there's a positive and a negative, and, and comedy can be used when to reinforce the sunlight. When you said negative, sorry, the, the light got, yeah. just dimmed. It was pretty neat. Whoa, Destiny. Wow. I was oh. destined to say positive and negative at that right moment. Right at this moment. Everything in the universe has come together for yes. this moment to happen, for sure. This was the conversation we were mm. destined to have right now. <laughs> we were just meant to. We were chosen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Excellent. Grant's got chills. Ooh. Ooh. Identify with that, listeners. Ugh. You've got chills too. Close your eyes for a moment and feel the chills running down your spine as we continue this conversation. Oh, it's only going to get hotter though. This isn't going to, nobody's going to have chills. No, that's true. Well, you turn your conditioner on. You're listening. You have agency. You're at home. You can do whatever you want. Speaking of technology, turn on your AC. Hell yeah. Mm. So comedy has, is a double-edged sword because exactly, and I think like everything else, it's a question of proportion and how you apply it. Mm. Comedy has an ability to, to objectify and distance ourselves from certain issues. Protect, like a shield. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the way that like people use laughter in like middle school, let's say, we frequently use laughter as a way to identify the weird kids and to collectively as a group say, oh. don't be like that weird kid. And it's right. very painful. What's interesting is how many people who are the weird kid grow up to be attracted to a life in comedy. Totally. But that very same thing of distancing later on is wielded as one of the most powerful weapons we have mm. because, and this, this also goes back to like company and eating and vulnerability yeah. because we're able to like laugh through the dark a little bit. We're yeah. able to laugh at the fears and laugh at the anxieties and distance ourselves from them so that they don't engulf us. I think that it is self, like well, yes. this idea of who we've become or like totally. what we are, totally. or how we act, which is always weird. I'm such a mystery to myself. Yeah. I, it, which is fast. I, that's another like compelling reason why I think you create stuff is because, mm-hmm. uh, like for me, there's a feeling of being driven to understand why the hell I am the way that I am, or right. do certain things that I do, or what do you care about, or what do you care about? What do you, you're going to write what you prioritize in your life. Yeah. It's so interesting to know how much of yourself is hidden, even from you. Spooky, it, but it's like fascinating, yeah. and and when you get close to it, mm-hmm. or when you read something really great, or see something really great, and you get it from somebody else's behavior, and suddenly you identify, yeah. it's like turning a light on, and it's just like learning. It's that same feeling of pleasure of it like, is. ooh, I don't know that I have an answer, but I, f- I figured something out. Yeah, it's like you know how we well we have a sense of vision. But we can't use it unless there's light on. Like, there's an external technology that's involved. Not technology, like sunlight, hello. But, like, there's an external element that has to be present to actually even, like, use yeah. light or your eyes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I feel like a lot of art is in knowing yourself. Like, there's a sense inside of your brain that's, like, waiting for truth. And a lot of art is just, like, that thing 
that arrives that like triggers something in within you. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I've always been like taken by the idea that the stuff that's most exciting, the most interesting artistic revelations are not in discovering something completely new, mm-hmm. but discovering something that you kind of knew yeah. the whole time, but didn't realize that you knew it and was already there. Say it. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden it takes shape and you realize that like, I have mm-hmm. felt that I didn't know that, but somehow it passed undetected. But now, yeah. now that it has a shape and, and, uh, and, and an identity in there, I, it, there's almost like a little bit more, that was weird. There's like a little <laughs> bit more like room inside my, my inner landscape somehow. Like yeah. I've, I've, by having by having tracked down this particular life form in there, yeah. I, I have grown as a person. I'm cool. a little bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Like cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> that thing of like being animal and being afraid of the dark and being afraid of being devoured. Mm. So much of horror comes down to just oh, being yeah. afraid of being devoured. Either being devoured or being alone. Or being alone. Being alone with the fear. And being vulnerable to either things that can devour you or mm-hmm. being being alone with yourself and being afraid of what's inside yourself. Totally. So often the reveal of the monster is like such a letdown because yes. what's living within you is so much scarier. Yes. Or yeah. or or uh, when you see the monster mm-hmm. The promise of the monster is always so much worse than seeing the monster. Yeah. And, and that's like, this relates back to fear on stage, stage Ooh, fright. Good, excellent. Yeah, it yeah. is good to know sometimes that the fear of being afraid is far worse than the thing that you're afraid of when you're performing. And going back to the very beginning of this conversation, like, I'll confess that I was like terrified, like, just plagued with stage fright when I was first starting to perform more in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess just in terms of like following along with the theme of like truth and honesty relating to people, if anybody's still listening out there. Thank you for doing that, by thank the way. Thank you. Yeah, this is really, um, we'd love to talk about any of these things with you. Yes. Come find us. Contact us, but not through Twitter not through or Twitter. any social media platform. <laughs> Please, no. But just find us in person. Yeah, we're around. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to, like, if anybody is early on and thinking about that, like that type of fear. Um, I'm not going to give you any advice other than like, it does change. Like mm-hmm. you do, you internalize an understanding of the room and what it means to be in a room when people are like learning how to do something or like expressing things unclearly or like attempting to find the truth of the thing that they're trying to say. Um, and that's interesting and fascinating and like exciting to see as much a success of like, oh, I pulled off this joke really well, but just trying to like, listening to what people have to say, like no matter how many people at the end of the day, like just crack up about mm-hmm. it. That's awesome. It's really fascinating to just hear people talk. And fear makes you not listen to things. When, yeah. you're, when you're afraid, you actually don't, like p- part, part of what fear does is it makes you not capable of looking or hearing clearly which is crazy like that's absolutely our body's worst response to yes. something that requires like sensual input you yes know? yes which is part of what's so beautiful about being in a room full of people laughing is yeah. like it eradicates that sense of fear and it clarifies your ability to see what you're looking at mm-hmm. and oftentimes what we're looking at is exactly the worst parts of people it, depending on the kind of comedy you're doing yeah. it's either pushed to some kind of insane grotesque exaggerated extreme where you're just watching like completely batshit fucking nuts behavior yeah. or it's more of like a comedy of manners that's related more towards 
a person's ego or a person's pride or, or some of the uglier parts about ourselves that yeah. do drive us and we're kind of ashamed to publicly admit. But in either case, you're able to look clearly at this shit that should be really dark and upsetting, but isn't yeah. it safer? Or like just clumsily sort of trying to indicate what you think the like social priorities are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think fears a good thing but it's obviously scary <laughs> there the social priority thing I, I, and I want to get back to performing in a second but you mm-hmm. just reminded me of the social priority thing mm-hmm. I read uh, um, uh, I read uh, uh, now I don't remember what it was but okay. Timothy Leary was talking about um, neurosis okay. and uh, Timothy Leary said he didn't believe in neurosis um, Timothy Leary's reputation was severely besmirched what people forget is that before the whole acid thing he was he was a a, an md and a lecturer at harvard and and like he's a real scientist yeah he he instead of diagnosing people's neuroses he he found that you couldn't really identify who a person is except who they are in relation to other people Mm. and so our behavior is predicated on certain social rules of the game that are being played. Hmm. And he described neurosis as simply being somebody is playing football while everybody else is playing baseball. Whoa. You're misreading the rules. And in any social situation, you can ask yourself, what <laughs> are the rules here? That's what it feels like here? to be the weird kid. It totally like, does. What are the rules? Like, I have this ball. It to- what is everybody else doing? Absolutely. But then yeah. look how many weird kids. Like, there are some weird kids who succumb to that pressure and develop, like, real real troubled personalities yeah. or are, unable, are never able to fight their way out of feeling outcast. And they cope with anger. They yeah, cope, like, right? Yeah, but then there are certain weird kids who, like, they're playing football the whole time while everybody else is playing baseball, but then their moment comes where suddenly football becomes the fucking game, man. Yeah. You know, like, like... It turns out you can throw around a football in the out, outfield. Yes. Oh, God, I'm about to make it, like sports mashup metaphor and it's not gonna it's just gonna fail uh, so never mind no but, like weird I've, kids with footballs huh well or you find that you have a great you, the, i don't know it but it does go back to like oh yeah some people have like have that courage yeah. right to like pursue the game that they're playing huh. and then find that that courage pays off yeah. very handsomely in, in becoming the most best version of themselves as they are capable of being cool what the hell was it? Oh, so much of fear. I find that I'm a, I'm a great actor until I have to look in other people's eyes and act with them. And then I'm Ugh. like terrified to look in other people's eyes. And so eyes much of so it, scary. they're very scary because they yeah. communicate everything. Mm-hmm. And the second you look into somebody's eyes, unless there's already a history between you mm. or unless you have both just experienced something very dramatic or insane together, like somebody takes a shit on a subway yeah, right. uh, and then you make eye contact with someone and it's a reassuring eye contact right. except in those two scenarios as soon as you make eye contact with somebody it triggers all the subconscious thinking of like alright what are the rules of engagement here what are, right. what are the expectations what am I supposed to communicate what am I supposed to get from them right what do you who do you think I am and like do I need to defy that right now or mm-hmm. should I play into it right now mm-hmm. or like does it matter? It makes you super guarded and mm-hmm. it makes you really tense and yeah. it gives you anxieties and it triggers all of you. Remember the last time you shit your pants and embarrassed yourself and then that comes up totally. and it's just really like the ugly, worst. horrible thing. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, where the hell was I going with this idea? Yeah. Like totally spiraling yeah. out of control. <laughs> now I don't remember what I was going to say with that. Um, mm. But back to improv. Yeah, that's right. pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so you said you love genres. 
before. Oh, yeah. And with the cast, you get to play with genre all the time. Great, yeah. And you also said that you were a very nervous performer in front of people for a long time. Ooh, yeah. But I, I think at this point, you, you strike me as um, one of those people who, now when I see you perform, I feel like you're a highly unique performer. Oh. Just in that thing, like... Weird kidding still? No. Okay. Um, that's like a way to put this that doesn't sound like it's an insult. <laughs> that's okay. Just, you know, it's being recorded. So Sometimes when you watch people improvise or, or act at all, mm-hmm. you see them mentally rehearsing it and then doing it or mentally like playing by like the, this is how you're supposed to do it. And so you do it. Okay. And then you see sometimes people kind of the booster rocket's already fired and they realize like, oh, I don't, the fucking booster rocket can fall back down to earth. I'm already out here in space right now. Yeah. And then you're watching people truly honest to God improvise. It's no longer like following the mental script of how you're supposed to play. Mm. It's more of just, they're there and they're playing. They're listening. They're unencumbered by the fear of, of the rules. That's why I brought that up. Oh, okay. They're unencumbered by the rules of what's the correct way to behave in this situation. Cool. And you're simply listening to the people around you and responding under the constraints of the genre that you're performing in. Yeah. And what you get, I guess the best word for it is honesty, but it's not honesty in the way of someone getting up there and telling their truth. It's honesty yeah. in the way of feeling like you're just seeing somebody's unencumbered behavior. Unencumbered by the bullshit of behaving in the way that they think everybody's expecting them to behave. And instead you're seeing them react and respond very directly. It's like the cloud of fear has moved away from, from yeah. their eyes and they're there. Cool. That's what I meant to say. The, okay. So, so, so <laughs> by unique. Yeah. Oh, by, cool. That's what I mean by unique in that, like, oh, okay. Now you're performing in a way where other people are not performing like you because you're not performing based on a school's philosophy. You're Whoa. performing based on the show that you're in. Thanks. Or the relationship that you're in or whatever it is. Thank you. So let's talk about the cast for a second sure. because it seems to be a show where that is happening to lots of people who are in the cast of that show. Yeah. Cool. Oh, man. Um, that was a lot to digest. Sorry. No, it's okay. I was just getting like a lot of feedback from my brain at the moment. Um, I can respond to the genre part first. Please. Cool. Um, so something that's really cool, uh, and I think that we were sort of talking about earlier about doing a different genre every week, and then it's not just a different genre. We're also toggling back to, like, what would just be considered, like, reality, like, real world. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so the cast being, like, on stage, we're doing a play or some sort of performance in a certain genre, and then... Um, at some point in the show, we like cut to the backstage where the performers or the actors or whatever are um, <clears throat> backstage and prepping for whatever the next scene is, and they have, you know, their own set of relationships and and things. Um, for anybody who hasn't seen it, and something that I just love about that show that I think we've been talking about a lot in this conversation is that the genre stuff is like fun and it disarms people and it puts people in a sense of like, oh, interesting. Like I'm open and receptive. Uh, this is funny, like, there are funny things about genres that uh, people want to spend the time to, like, digest. But then cutting backstage reminds you that, like, all the same... uh, All the same... I've said truths a lot, but, like, the same sense of authentic experiences between, like, relationships that are, you know, the characters that are in the performance side of it, uh, and then also, like, the performers that are in the backstage sense. Mm -hmm. Um, 
those carry through and they're like equally important in both. Uh, what am I trying to say? And I think that highlights something that I really like about genre. Uh, I don't know. It just like keeps thinking. I feel like it's a fresh way of looking at uh, my, your authentic selves or like different characters authentic selves or yeah. like what people care about or like what's more important is is something that's happening backstage more important than what's than like the priority of that performer in the performance like is that going to bleed through because the relationship from backstage is like more important than the mm. oh, performances relationship yeah, yeah like what are the priorities of the characters backstage because the genre gives enough of a frame mm-hmm you're able to then see when someone is going beyond it. Yeah. You're able to see the thing that's really important or driving them. Yeah. And, and now it really calls attention to that. Yeah. Whereas without the genre, you may not recognize that quite so directly. I think so. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, it's sort of hard to see, like I'm so close to it now. It's hard to like, be able to think of objectively about what's so cool about it but yeah. I know that I still respond really strongly to it and I feel equal amounts of like freedom to explore true things in both the onstage and the backstage section which is great mm-hmm. and I think um, I think people respond to that and they connect with both the like genre characters which you know we're going to do mime tomorrow which mimes are like so bizarre and like funny and weird and act so alien to us but I guarantee you there's going to be people who connect more strongly to like you know somebody's mime than they do to somebody backstage acting Mm -hmm. like a you know quote unquote normal person Mm -hmm. so that I think is really cool and I think that teaches us to like not pick on the weird kid you know that like there's just people are going to act we're all in our own different genres oh boy yeah I'm that's in the genre cool. of Ally Fisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, that's great. Grant. Grant. Oh, wow. There great. you go. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Wow, that's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That wow. took me a while to get there, but I don't know. No, yeah, no. Pretty great show. Uh, wow, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting observation. Yeah. Um, I'm taking a second to, like, process that. Cool, Yeah. Oh, and then secondarily on top of that, like, yeah. am I a structural genre or a body genre or am I like, like, am I the type of person that makes you react? Like if I'm a, you're talking about drama in your life earlier, those those people that show up outside of your door and you immediately respond sort of like with anxiety, right? right? Or stress or like, oh my God, there's my crush. Right. Like, and I'm responding really strongly to that. Right, right. Or are you somebody who walks in and I'm like, oh that person is involved with this. I always mean to be like thinking more about that. Mm. I'm going to be doing that now. I'm going to think about that with them. Hmm. Um, or, or there are also some people where I find like, I, I, I don't like, I, I'm neither like physically attracted nor repelled, nor am I like, Oh, this person can get stuff done. I'm more just like fascinated by like looking <laughs> at them or, yeah. or and it's like, Oh, that's more of like a, like a furniture yeah, genre. Totally. Like, whoa, this person's wearing what clothes? Great. Yeah. Or this person manages to carry off a sense of style that, that like, in a million years I would never be able to. Right. Or I've like, actually never seen before. Yeah, which is yeah, yeah. Ins- it's just, like, crazy. Yeah. In this day and age with, you know, the internet. That is fascinating. Yeah. Wow, that's super cool. Yeah. Holy cow. People are great. Yeah. People are so cool. 
And then the fact that we want to like hang out with each other, it's awesome. Allie Fisher, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. This has been a fascinating conversation. It just seems like a really good point to yeah. call that there. Deal. Oh, what a good message. <laughs> Kick ass. Allie, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This has been really fun. Yeah, super fun. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. A couple of other big thank yous, of course, to Evan Ford Barden, our mm-hmm. producer, to Grant Michael Goldberg, our engineer. Oh. Uh, uh, what, what was that face? Thank you, Grant. Oh, oh but it didn't, he, he gritted his teeth, folks. Oh, it was a- Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, there you go. That was that was the horror version is of very a smile. spooky smile. Give yourself over to it, man. Let yourself yeah. smile. It's good. Submit. All right. Submit. Grant Michael Goldberg, our engineer, Ed Hersman, our executive producer, and all of you fine folks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto iTunes and give us a positive rating. We would certainly appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you once again to Ali Fisher. Oh, thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 <laughs> You've been listening to The Magnet Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by The Magnet Training Center, where we teach classes in improvisation, sketch writing, musical improv, storytelling, and more. If you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnettheater.com. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We appreciate the support. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theater for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at magnettheater.com.